Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, Dr. Carol Osborne from the Chagrin Falls Veterinary Center in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, returns to share some valuable perspectives on various approaches to going green in pet-friendly ways. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Carol Osborne. Dr. Carol, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, welcome back. It's always great to have you with us. We're going to talk about a couple of things here this morning. I had never really thought about going green and being pet-friendly in a green way. And you've pointed out five pet-friendly ways to go green that we're going to talk about here this morning. And that'll be of great interest to drivers because drivers, basically, their pets, dogs, cats, and things, when you let them out at the truck, stop. That's where you are. You're not at home. They're not in the backyard anymore. They're in somebody else's backyard. So taking care of cleaning up and things like that is essential. But we are turning the corner here. Regardless of what the thermometer says on any given day, it could be 40 degrees different from Monday to Tuesday around the country. It's getting to be fleas, ticks, and other parasitic pest seasons. They hibernate by and large during the wintertime, and boy, they can lay some eggs. So we will talk about that as well. But let's circle back to the five pet-friendly ways to go green i guess we'll start at ground zero the scoop on (laughs) (laughs) we'll get that over with (laughs) absolutely well the big thing about poop is initially the biodegradable bags were what they said to everyone and certainly those are better than using non-biodegradable bags but the big thing that they're pushing now is to compost your pet's poop which eliminates the need for everything else and i can tell you as a veterinarian and a pet owner. In my experience, that's more easily said than done. But if you can figure out how to do it, it's very green and just great. (laughs) Got it. Pretty hard, though, on the road. It's pretty hard, especially when you're on the road and even for those of us who aren't. But the next thing on the list, Dave, is feeding close to nature, feeding green. Really what that means is they would like you to feed your pet a low-carbon diet And they would like for you and I to enjoy a low-carbon diet. So what they're really saying is they want to do away with meat. They want us all to become vegan or vegetarians. And of course, what a lot of people don't realize is they are pushing insect protein, in particular fly larvae, as the newest source of protein, not just for pets, but also for you and I. I Uh, did not know that. I've heard about the chocolate-covered ants. I've even had some of those, but wow, I did not know the fly larvae. Holy mackerel. Oh, yeah. In Europe, they are already selling packaged pet foods where the protein has been replaced with fly larvae, and they have huge factories set up where they breed the flies and that kind of thing. So I think that's something most of us might have to think about for a minute. As far as vegetarian, vegan, You can talk to your veterinarian about that if you're a dog owner. There are ways to do that that work. If dogs have liver or kidney disease, for example, dementia and senility, reducing the meat and increasing the vegetables is very helpful medically as well. Of course, cats are obligate carnivores. They were designed to eat meat, so that's not a real good idea. If you're a kitty owner, I would pretty much stick to what I've been feeding. 
Does obligate mean what I think it sounds like it means? They are obligated to eat meat? Yes. Okay, got it. I hadn't heard that term before. That's interesting. Yeah, we're considered omnivores. A cat is a strict obligate carnivore, meaning that they're made to eat meat and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, if you've ever tried to suddenly change your cat's diet, most people will find that kitties are very fussy when it comes to their food. Most of them will simply stop eating if you change the food and it's not to their liking. You always see in the movies and in cartoons, you always see a little kitty comes along and the first thing they do is put out a saucer of milk and the kitty just drinks it up as fast as you can. But I heard years and years ago, that's the worst thing you can do with a cat. What's the truth about cats and milk? Well, milk, of course, is the first food that cats and dogs get from their mother when they're first born. So there's nothing wrong with milk. Milk is wonderful. As we get a little bit older, sometimes we lose the enzyme necessary to digest the protein in milk. So in dogs in particular, that got diarrhea and soft stool. I don't think it's terrible or that there's anything wrong with it in my experience. Had you heard that before? That was kind of a thing that you don't give cats milk? I just remember that, but I'm glad I asked. Yeah, I think they've got all kinds of ideas for this and that. But as far as I can tell, milk and cats is just fine. Got it. One of the things we know about our listeners, by and large, if they have the opportunity, a lot of folks will bring their own prepared meals from home, freeze them, little freezers in the truck, or maybe even prepare food in the truck, obviously, that you can heat up prepared meals. You kind of suggest that drivers could actually kind of just do a little meal program for the pet in the truck as well to save some money, for one thing, and then also to make sure that they're getting proper nutrition. Absolutely. In most cases, you can't prepare home-cooked meals for your pets, dogs, and cats that they will enjoy, and you will enjoy and have the satisfaction of making the meals out of the nutrients that you source and see that your pets do well on. It's not all that hard. Of course, when it comes to kitties, you're really just talking about meat for the most part. And when it comes to dogs, usually we're talking about one-third of a lean meat, chicken, turkey, beef, whatever you might choose. One-third vegetables. I always put cruciferous on the top, broccoli, cauliflower, green beans, Brussels sprouts, and then one-third long-acting carbs. Oatmeal is wonderful, as are potatoes, rice, noodles, pasta, for example. Mix them all together. If you want to flavor it up, barbecue sauce, pasta sauce, and low-sodium tamari, which is just like soy sauce, but it's called tamari. Ah, okay. It sounds like we're talking about diet here, which we are, but that diet piece is really part of the five pet-friendly ways to go green. So using the biodegradable pooper scooper bags and things like that can really help. Plastic bags take 20, 30 years to decompose. Feeding close to nature, you just explained that. Recycled toys, it's incredible because part of the feeding close to nature with the homemade meals, part of that is to reduce waste packaging waste, things like that, but also cost. The pet market, I just looked it up. We're looking at an over $5 billion market every year for pet toys. So we're talking recycled toys because we're spending a lot of money on toys. And as you say, that dog doesn't care if it's an old sock or a water bottle or something you spent twelve ninety five for at PetSmart, right? Absolutely. They love them just the same no matter what you make them from.
You know, Dave, I wanted to mention for all the kitty lovers out there, non-clay litter is very environmentally friendly. Corn, wheat, paper, and pine are all suitable for litter for the kitty. The world's best cat litter is made of corn. And then there's one called Sweet Scoop, which is made from wheat. Yesterday's news is just recycled newspaper. And there's another one called Feline Pine, which, of course, is made from pine shavings. Yeah, I've seen some of those. I know Claire Marie uses some of those that you've just mentioned here to great success. Just another way to go green with your kitty. Indeed. Um, Keeping a clean pet is one thing. Using too much water is something else. There's another green consideration, water conservation. Water conservation, absolutely. If you have those little handheld attachments, you can turn them off and on when you're not using them. You can use warm water instead of hot to save energy. And if you avoid the phosphate products, in other words, for the shampoos and whatnot, try to buy the phosphate-free, chemical-free grooming products, and that helps the water go down the drain in a more environmentally friendly way. <laughs> Understood. We're going to wrap up the green roster here with spaying and neutering. Probably don't need to dwell on that very much, but I did want to ask you in terms of the population of pets now. We saw the shelters, the pet stores clear out during the earliest days of COVID, and that seemed to be a wonderful thing at the time. Are we seeing some bad effects now that we're out of the crisis? Where are those pets now? Are we doing okay? A large majority of those pets have been returned to shelters because people aren't lonely anymore. In many cases, they just weren't completely prepared to be a pet owner. So spay and neuter, and if you can, adopt a pet as opposed to going to a breeder. And those are all great ways to help control pet overpopulation. Indeed, indeed. I kind of knew that the answer was going to be what you gave there, and that's really sad. And I understand that folks get caught unawares and too much responsibility, but they kind of used those animals in a sense and then just discarded them later on, so that ain't right. But at any rate, I wanted to save some time for something that is really important for the health and well-being of our pets and our humans, too, because ticks can wreak havoc on anything with blood in it. We know that personally here at Radio Nemo for sure with Lyme's disease. But fleas, ticks, other parasites, they're starting to lay some eggs now. A female tick will lay thousands of eggs in her lifetime. You are absolutely right. And the time to think about prevention, fleas, ticks, and of course, the mosquitoes that transmit heartworm disease, among other things, is now just before the weather hits 60 or 65 degrees with regularity. All kinds of natural products, neem oil, a clove and lemon balm are available over the counter and through many veterinarians that can do a pretty good job with all these external parasites. In your home, you can buy a box of borax. It'll cost you $7 at the grocery store. Sprinkle it all over your carpets and floors. Leave it on a couple hours and then vacuum it up. That will give you one year of natural flea prevention within the home that's very effective. They have companies like Flea Busters that will come out and do the same thing for a few hundred dollars. And you can make your own flea dip, for example, real easy. You could take a couple cups of rosemary or peppermint, steep them for 30 minutes in warm water in five quarts of water, let it cool and go ahead and dip your pet. It's safe for dogs and cats. And if you have a pet that is itching even after the flea dip, you can take a combination of licorice, dandelion, and cat's claw, five drops of each, mix it together, 
and then give your pet five drops of the final solution by mouth once a day for about 14 days in a row. That should solve the problem with a lot of the itching. Understood, understood. And at a very reasonable price, as you say. Very inexpensive and quite effective for most of the pets. Indeed, indeed. Can't thank you enough, as always, Dr. Carroll, for being with us here on the program. Looking forward to our next visit. Well, I thank you. And remember that going green with your pets is tricky. Takes a few small changes and a little creativity, but we can all contribute to saving the environment, even our pets. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.